on this exciting episode of Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. Gregory, there is lots of info on this one because I didn't have anybody to interrupt me. I can be a YouTuber. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Let me try to digest that. We'll save you a lot of money. <laughs> Logan's not here. I need to get like better audio intros for this for this show. Uh, welcome to Tech Talk Tuesday, Taco Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. It's not Tuesday anymore. I went riding. Actually, I had to do some work, and I got my work done. And then I went riding, and as usual, lost track of time. And didn't make it back here in time to do the show, so I posted up a little update that um, we're going to do Tech Talk Taco Tuesday on Wednesday, because my show, I can do whatever I want. Would not be possible with the help of some sponsors, but if you're in the chat right now, what I'd like you to do, a brand new cable, by the way, uh, I, John says something, I got to go to the, I got to go to the chat link so I can check this stuff out, because I got a question all queued up on my computer ready to go. And my chat is not displaying messages. I know I had to do something with the uh, with the chat because the the other thing the chat was doing that was bothering uh, maybe my sponsors uh, is that let's see that's not the right one. There's a lot of things in here. Right, want want to see something? Watch this. We'll see how it sounds too. Let's see. that's not working but who knows there's some other buttons in this thing that i need to uh, <laughs> need to work on so uh where is the social is that the one called socials let me click on this yeah no nope that's not it rooster endo better rider image zoom browser uh it usually takes two people to do this, <laughs> so um, yeah, that helps. That helps out if I have uh, two people here, and then I can figure out how to make the window capture. That's not it. It's called. I don't know which one it is. Audio output browser. Is this it? I'm going to turn it. There it is. Okay, I got it now. So this makes the. Uh, this this browser thing. Now I can adjust the size of it. I need to bring it over to the side a little bit and pull it down a little bit so that uh oh it's linked. There we go. And then now you can see our sponsors and our nice pictures as they go by on the screen. John Bailey, haha. -ha. <laughs> so, okay, everybody. Uh, I think I've done the technical part of this show. We're going to get straight into the questions. I'm going to answer this question that I forgot to answer last time. It's from Peter TV on YouTube. He asked me this 13 days ago, and it's about the Tenere 700. I've seen multiple videos where stock suspension is getting stiffened up to get a better result. However, I have changed the front spring 
as I was bottoming out a lot. Now I don't have that issue, but there is a harshness, which is a rougher ride at slow speeds. I would say medium size hits, it absorbs big and little impacts okay. I was thinking going up on rebound from 11 clicks to say the 13 to 15 range to soften up the impact, but I'm watching multiple videos and I'm not sure if that is the correct approach or not. Again, I have heavy springs front now, so that would change the equation. So Peter, here's the... Here's the, the like just it forks in general. So this is for anybody that's working on forks and trying to figure stuff out. It's, it's, you need to have the correct spring no matter what. So if you're working with the incorrect spring, then you're just doing like Band-Aid fixes to it. And that's usually the easiest way is with either air pressure or oil level um, one way or another. But so you want to make sure you have the correct spring bottoming out is not the reason to go to a stiffer spring. Like if your bike is bottoming out, you can generally cure bottoming out with oil level or clicker adjustments, you know, depending. Spring is more just based on how much weight is on it. And generally the bike is sprung for its weight, its intended use and the weight of an average size rider. So if you're larger than average, heavier than average, eh, heavier spring is probably the direction to go. I don't always say the spring is the right thing because you're, quote, more aggressive or you're riding the bike harder, especially on dirt bikes. When you go to adventure bikes, yeah, springing it can help, but since the bike is already so heavy, it's already kind of a stiff spring. And when you go to a stiffer spring, then you literally have problems. You don't see the chat on that side. You sure, Chris? Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I did a whole bunch of mod. I wasted the first three minutes of the show trying to figure out how to modify that. <laughs> and, and now you tell me it's wrong. So anyways, back to the spring. So we're talking about a Tenere 700. I feel that they're sprung pretty good stock for their intended use. I'm 195 pounds. You know, that's five down from the last show, by the way. I'd like to pat myself on the back for maybe not drinking as much beer. Excuse me while I take a quick little, hold on. I'm going to, every time I do this, I'm going to do this. Uh, here we go. Fork springs on that bike are too soft. <laughs> um, and I'll talk about this later. So the the thing about the, the it's it's all this kind of this combination, but getting the right spring is correct. But I, I'm always scared when people say, I just went stiffer on my venture bike because it was bottoming out. Generally, your adventure bike bottoms out because you were you were hitting things you shouldn't have hit. With the big heavy bike, any of them any of those adventure bikes, if you start hitting bumps like you are on a dirt bike, it's going to bottom out and the spring is not going to fix it. It will help a whole lot if you do the oil level to, to, to work on the bottoming. Oil level is super good at working on bottoming. So raising the amount of oil in the forks up to the manufacturer's maximum level will generally start decreasing the bottoming. Will it completely cure it? No. 
I'll tell you what, that Tenerate fork has a really good bottoming cone in its stock, though. It, it is very, very effective. So when you start talking about you went to the stiffer springs and now you have this mid-stroke harshness, uh, the clickers can help quite a bit in that. But the, you have to understand the clicker on that bike is a low-speed clicker. Uh, so and, and you're probably in mid-speed... Uh, you know, stuff. So it, it might be going kind of, you might've at that point you're over, you've overwhelmed what the quick clicker's doing and you're into the valving. And then, and then the amount of oil controls the, the, the air volume in there, which can also have an effect. And I don't know what kind of spring you went to the, the, so I now have the tour tech suspension, the, the on mine, which is a shock. It's their, their shock. And it's a set of fork springs and oil. And I kind of did them each one at a time. And right away, I put the shock on. I needed the fork springs. Put the fork springs in. I did not change the oil because I knew the fork springs going in were going to be a little bit dirty. So I just put them in the existing oil knowing I was going to change it later. And I think I went from a 7-weight oil to a 10-weight oil when I finally changed it. And guess what? That was too much. The spring really did help a lot. But it only helped because it balanced it out with the rear shock. Had I thrown just the fork springs in with the stock shock then the rear end would have been soft. So it was kind of getting it all balanced. So um, Peter, it's, it's, it's all kind of a thing. Don't be afraid to play with your clickers. And then what the low speed really does in the beginning is, is it, it, the low speed being kind of stiffer can kind of help hold it, hold the, hold the bike up a little bit. So it doesn't get down into that mid stroke and be harsh. So sometimes stiffing and stiffening it up, will actually make the suspension ride softer kind of on the adventure bikes until you get to the point where it actually makes it harsh. So we actually play with the entire range. There's like 20 clicks, 24 clicks, I think, on the Tenere, if I remember correctly. So try it. Run it most of the way in and run it most of the way out and feel what it does and then and then play from there. That That's why they have clickers on there so you can adjust them. And if you don't know what the clickers do, and this is why it always bothered me when somebody said, hey, what clicker settings are you running? I'm running my clicker settings. And, the, you know, we always talk about what we do to it to kind of show the direction we're going more than the actual numbers. I posted my, on my video, I have a, there's a Tenere vlog video. It's all about suspension where I set the stock clickers and with my new suspension and I'm testing a new, another new shock for it this week, hopefully it's a whole different shock. And, uh, I'm still getting to my setting because I, you know, it, it's, it's all a balance thing. And we had a lot of rain and we had some really big, like kind of choppy bumps appear on roads that, that is kind of taxing when you bump into them. Actually, I put a little uh, thing for our school up there, kind of the amazing thing is how much I slow down before I hit the bumps. That's the amazing thing. But, you know, I'm kind of bouncing through the bumps and you see how hoppy and playful the bike is. And it, it, it was like that stock, but I couldn't, I couldn't trust it to to so, sort of over jump into something or hit something square so I've, i'm playing around with it i'm getting it because it it had the it had the comfort it had a little more hold up and it had more bottoming resistance especially in the shock i'm way back off of my spring preload so now it's actually even more supple uh so it's pretty cool but i'm finding hey i can actually i'm in a, and this shock has high speed compression adjustability which to me, kind of controls right height. So I'm now able to even lighten up the spring preload a little bit, add a little bit of high-speed compression, get the effective ride height the same, and 
and the, and there's more movement in the rear shock. Uh, what I am struggling with a little bit is is the rebound. I'm I'm kind of in tight on the rebound. I'm like at seven or eight clicks, and I've been as low as four. And I don't like being that tight on the rebound because it was a little it was a little hoppy. And I think it's because I'm running a stiffer spring than what is originally specced on that shock. Stiffer spring pushes the shock, extends the shock out a little bit quicker. Um, so there's all kinds of things. It's really step by step, and. It takes a little bit of practice and time, and that's why I really went into depth and explained this for you to 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 kind of to kind of help it out. So Peter TV, Peter LV maybe, LV TV. My eyes aren't that good. Hold on, I can wear these if I wanted to. Uh, a ride moto preach. <laughs> uh, just doing my best. I'm actually trying to help people. You know, a become more educated. And then B, you know, save some money at the same time. But then when you decide to go spend your dirt bike, you know, uh, chump change. So you're doing it the right way. Because I see way too many people just send their stuff off or do kind of crazy things without really understanding what they're doing. And somebody will say, yeah, I did this. And my first question is why? And they go, well, I I heard it was going to make it better. I'm like, how did that work out? And it kind of, it goes exponential with the number, the essentially with the, when you start talking to somebody with the number of dollars they spend, the better it seemed like it I'm back to the show. <laughs> so anyways, uh, yeah, I think it's a robot that's asking to join me on Instagram, but who knows? So I don't think I missed any questions. Um, oh, Asher Lito asks, I'm trying to do an Idaho Enduro this weekend on a DRZ 400. Any tips on how to prepare? This weekend, it doesn't matter where you're coming from. <laughs> you should have been preparing for this ride like the last five years, and you should just be able to throw your perfectly prepped, ready-to-go bike in your truck or maybe on DRZ4 and you're going to ride up there with all your stuff that you used before you've practiced close to your house. So it's, it's called kit, you know, that works. It's, and you're just doing something that you've practiced before and you go out and you do it. Cause when you make an investment to go someplace, the, yeah, the, you know, especially when you go someplace, you don't want to start taking some, I see guys all the time. They're taking brand new stuff. They've never ridden before, never used before and up there to do it. But, uh, it should be just another, another routine. Like when I do things that I invest, I, I'm going to take off some time to go do like go skiing or snowboarding or hiking or running or whatever, mountain bike riding. I make sure that my kit is dialed. It's all stuff I've used before. I, I'm not going and experimenting. I experiment when I'm close to home or if there's a problem, I'm not going to lose two or three days. Or if I do experiment with something, that's why I in my in my truck, I have a, a motorcycle, a mountain bike, I have skis and snowboard. And then when one thing screws up, I just go to do the other thing. <laughs> so, but it's taken many years in life, many years in life to, to, to learn this process so everybody on instagram hey thanks for uh thanks for checking us out switch over to our our dirt bike test on facebook or on youtube we're live over there you can get in the chat you can ask questions 
and uh, we will see you out in the trail. So uh, cheers. I think I, how do I shut this thing off? I always forget. There we go. And now, and then I share this and I give it a name. This is Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, number 204, if you are wondering. So that's the name of this show. And I always run into problems because it always wants to do something else and make this more difficult for me. So I think I did that new post, save, yeah, save. Quit quit trying to, yeah, yep. Yes, Jimmy Lewis Riding School is where we're at, so save it. We're good. So if you uh, have a question, you want to call me, or you want to... I have always wondered... Everybody says... they. A lot of people tell me how to do this, and I'm thinking if you can be an effective uh, co-host on this show, you can call me in, and I'll patch you in, and you can help co-host this if this show's uh, running uh, running a little slow. I'm looking at the at the chats right now, and good, this thing populated itself, so I can get back to the questions. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pretty much take the live questions quickly. Mike H says, fuel injection tuning, trying to achieve a better throttle response on bottom end. Is it better to add timing or subtract fuel? Bike is running on a good air fuel ratio, tuning a Sierra 450 RL with a Get ECU. So, Mike, let me answer this. It's it's the way. You want to think about fuel injection tuning is this. Ignition is throttle response. Fuel is traction. That's the that's the way you think about it. And so you have to act your, ask yourself, do you want more traction? Then you richen the mixture. If you want less traction, then you lean the mixture. If you want the throttle to be more responsive, typically... You advance the ignition, and if you want it to be less responsive, you retard the ignition. And I and I said I said that re, retard. That means you minus the ignition. <laughs> so, because some people say you're saying bad words, and then you get tagged on the on the YouTubes, and they pull your post. So, uh, that's the those are the steps that you take when you're trying to get your your you're tuning right, but it's really important that you understand where the throttle position is when you're making those changes. And I've done things like I've taken a white paint pen and marked the throttle, you know, in quarters, you know, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. Uh, there's no way I'm going to mark it in like 10% increments, like you can adjust it or 20%. Do it in quarters and just kind of see where you're at and then pick zones and and if you have the ability, if you have a tachometer, ability to have a tachometer, I do it all by hearing. I know what 3,000, 4,000, 7,000, 10,000 sounds like. So I can do yeah, I can do it like that. But if you're, if you're not that keen to it, because I guarantee you your RPM is going to be a lot lower than you think and your throttle position is going to be a lot lower than you think. And you're going to be amazed at how low of an RPM you are at, at, at a big throttle position and how low a throttle position you are at a high RPM position. You're, you're going to be amazed at how low your throttle position is. So I tend to work in the, I work so much on right off of idle. So we're talking like the 2000 RPM range, 2000 to 3500 RPM range at all different throttle positions. And where a lot of these ECUs kind of mess up is they never do low throttle position, low RPM because 
you can't do low throttle position, low RPM on a dyno because the bike will stall. And if you're slipping the clutch, then you're not actually loading the motor. And it's it is it's crazy how much a dyno doesn't work for actual ECU tuning. Um, it works great for making power, but doing the the the, the tuning is a little bit uh, a little bit difficult because. It, it it all it all depends on traction and on a dyno you have 100% traction and if if you make power that overcomes the traction and then you back off and then you come back on that's a big thing that they never do on the dyno so uh and Jason Abbott a very one of our 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 esteemed he's been on the show before uh knows a lot about the Honda 450L and he says try going from a 51 to a 48 rear tooth to make the delivery smoother and i i can agree with that i i haven't i haven't spent a ton of time on the rl uh we did a whole bunch of time on the x which is very very similar and uh we worked at uh we worked at we got that thing i got a honda 450x working so good motor wise i i struggled with the chassis a little bit it wasn't bad but I struggled with it, not to the near level that guys that like the older Honda, because I was trying to make it into a KTM of all weird things, and now I would want to make it into a Yamaha because Blue Crew. By the way, Yamaha, great sponsor of the show. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna do a little sponsor plug here. New WR450. There's a 2024 WR450 that's all new, but I have the 23 WR450, which. I went riding in the sand dunes, and that's the video when I played this video, and I'm actually going to play the video again. <laughs> I'm going to do the longer one while I talk about this Yamaha 450 here. i got to grab the right mouse. There's two computers running here. So the interesting thing about this bike is I've started to play with it and started to tune a little bit. So I did what I'll call stage one, or I call it stage 1.5 because we tuned a little bit, but I put my Fast Company Flex Handlebars, of course, another sponsor of the show, uh, put a Scott steering stamper on it. Not a sponsor of the show, even though they should. IMS Gas Tank, they should sponsor this show. because These are companies that I that I use and I trust. Acherby's Handguards, again, they should sponsor the show. So when you're talking to these companies, if you just talk to somebody that you know, you see that nice wheelie I just pulled? I've been riding a KTM 500 in the sand dunes for years, years and years and years. Uh you know, lately, I'll say, because I've been riding for a lot of years. And that's just my go-to because it has a big gas tank and it has all the stuff. And and I'm not running a paddle tire, by the way. I'm just running the stock tires in this thing right now. Holy crap, did I get rejuvenated because that motor is super, super awesome. And it has the, it has the power tuner app, so I've been playing around with maps. I've got a pretty good map in it right now. I have two maps in there. There's a there's a mellow map and an aggressive map, but I actually kind of made them. Uh, I made the mellow map more aggressive and the aggressive map way more aggressive for the sand. And I it just I I had a lot of fun. I all I wanted to do was go riding out there. I had this whole place to myself, by the way. I, I pretty much did an exclusive rental of uh, Glamis Sand Dunes, <laughs> and I uh, just went ripping around. And it was just burning through gas, having a great time. So, uh, by the way, uh, Yamaha WR450, that's the one that they say is like the trail trail bike version. And let me tell you, with that tuner, you can make it in anything. And now I need fork springs. So, 
super, super, super fun. So anyways, Yamaha, great sponsor of the show. Of course, we have Double Take Mirrors, Bulletproof Designs. So one of my next calls for Stage 2 is I need to get some Bulletproof Designs radiator guards in that thing before I... It's not a problem in the sand, but I know where I'm going to take that thing. And I need some radiator guards. Trust me, buy them before you need them. And I've been teetering on where I could have dented the radiators and then they're useless. So that's good. Of course, Fast Company, Flex Handlebars in there, Trail Tech. I was not running a Voyager Pro, but uh, it would have been nice because then I because I found some really fun lines through there that I'd like to make a rally route go through. Uh, DDC sprockets. Of course, I was wearing climb gear as always. Scott goggles and Takamoto, who does Roosterendo segment that we're not doing because we had no submissions for Roosterendo. There's we have one. Harlan sent us a Roosterendo bike. I think the the, the bounty is going to be up to like it's going to be a thousand dollar Takamoto gift certificate by the time we get ready for it, and those going to have to be bangers to win the Takamoto Roosterendo segment. Again, thank you all for joining. Um, I'm going to get right into the questions. Are you going to get the Cove? No, I already got the Cove. I rode the pre-production Cove. I did a video on it. Um, I don't need to do any more Cove. I mean, I could. I, I I hardly have enough time to ride the stuff I enjoy riding. <laughs> so uh, everything you need to know about the Cove, from my perspective, is there. And somebody actually asked a question. I'm going to get to that question right now since you since you brought it up. Uh, there was a quote Cove question that said, and I quote, um, Ben... Bessendum 5112, whatever. It says, all sounds good, but we need two years of hard use with a list of failures and costs would be nice also. Okay. The internet will do this for you. The internet, because there's a very active cove group. There's cove this and that like that. So every person that breaks a cove and has a problem with a cove or pays too much for a cove part will, not in my opinion, uh, cause I know they will, po- they will run to the internet and they will post about it. So whatever you see there, take it and divide it by 40. I'm thinking. And then, and then you'll see what the, what the, what the, what the real thing is. Uh, I saw some other comments on some of these posts where people were saying, what do you know? Like, well, what, just wait a year. Yeah, that's a, that's always good advice. You know, you can wait a year and and then you can kind of see how it's going. Uh, but my impression of that bike, like I said, we drained the oil out of it, and that that filter and that magnet magnet was clean. The bike had a lot of miles on it previous to me getting my hands on it. Um, I think you're going to find there's going to be little things, just like every bike. There's going to be little things. I mean, they're probably not putting the uh, the ceramic clay. Pit, pop metal pistons in the like you know all the KTM's have now evidently but that's a that's a different story. So, and then another Cove comment while we're at it uh, at Dirt Bike says unfortunately Recluse provided the 3.0 to Cove owners even though they clearly have a 4.0 available. Everything else on the build sheet is Honda 450 CR450 R spec components and a quick look at their website shows a 4.0 available. And he's saying for that bike. Either they thought the Cove owners don't know any better. I doubt that. But 
or that on our end it wouldn't even matter. Um, it does matter, but not that much on that bike for the intended use. Uh, anyways, however, if they're on your show boasting about how much better it is, wouldn't we want the latest and greatest as well? Yes, I think you, I think you would. And I don't see any disadvantage. Of course it hasn't been out for a long time, but I guarantee they've been testing it a long time. And I think the biggest advantage you're going to see with that design is durability. And for that reason, yes, you would want it on the Cove. I suspect, and I, I don't know if they have Cove as as an offering like do, do you, can you click and click code 450 and then they and then they put it out there and that's a part i never searched for that if they if you search for that they may have had those those kits built already and ready to ship out and packaged before the 4.0 came out i don't know i don't work there but uh he says i'm requesting a 4.0 replacement even if i fork over the price difference well you're gonna have to pay the difference between 3.0 and 4.0 i'm pretty sure they're gonna get rid of stock on 3.0 and then it's gonna be exclusively exclusively 4.0 but i suspect they're doing a little bit of extra testing with each model that they that they develop it into because they do act and respond a little bit different so the springs and the weights of the wedges become critical if you want it to work perfect uh you need to you need to do that ashley needs to give his friend his homework but he'll be back so you're doing bible study and your friend's homework is that a conflict of interest, Asher? <laughs> so, okay. Chris Real, who is a professional motorcycle tester, a DPS technical, if you want to check out what he is capable of doing, especially if you own a small brand of motorcycles and you want to get them homologated. Um, he says, for throttle position, including... Uh, for throttle positions indicating, I often mark the throttle housing in quarter steps, and then I put a zip tie with a long tail on the grip. This helps me know where range I'm riding. Actually, that zip tie thing, that could be pretty helpful. I, I usually mark a zero on the, you know, an index mark on the on the throttle body, and then as I run the, the things across it, I can I can just glance down and see. But I got a pretty good wrist. I can I can feel stuff. And one of the questions we have is about uh a G2 throttle tube that I have now on my Tenere, and I'm hoping that I can find that particular thing. Oh, someplace here. Actually, I got these blank sheets. This is going to be kind of problematic. I hope there wasn't something supposed to be uh, pointed on that. There was a question about, I kind of, oh, Steve C. This is the one. This is the, on my Tenere 7. Good morning. Well, I apologize. I appreciate you discussing my Nachi throttle off idle. My question is you mentioned two things. One being that you haven't had an ECU reprogrammed and two, a throttle tube you are testing. And then the subject was changed. Well, I had a co-host and my co-host probably rattled my cage or poured me too much of this. Hold on. Hold on one second. Got to get, um, got to get back to oh, wrong, wrong mouse. Sorry. We're going to get to this here. If you're watching this on the... No, that is the right mouse. My mouse is over on the other thing. Okay, enjoy this for a second. That is a sweet... I, I, I tell you, you have no idea. 
how much fun that was. Um, I, I did. <laughs> you can see the three or four tracks before I turn the GoPro on to do that. I probably did that bowl and I strung together a series of six or seven bowls that was so much fun. Like just, just ripping, like letting that you, there's very few places you can use all of a 450, And that was one of them. I mean, just, just sending it in there and uh, letting it eat. So uh, anyways, Steve, did I just change the subject on you again? <laughs> this is a critical, critical issue for me as I'm 70 year old, years old. Good job riding at 70. And I still moto twice as week, twice a week. I have made a 15 mile single track. Uh, loop and blah 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 it'll wear you out there are many turns some serious so basically he's saying he knows how to do all the stupid stuff on motorcycles like i do he's having come off a honda africa twin sports es and seeking a lighter motorcycle for my solo trips he got the tenere and i find the notchy throttle creates issue when approaching tight twisty sections of rocks or boulders to navigate his question is, how does the throttle tube help? And second, did the remapping help with this issue? And can a person such as me get this done? So you live in California. <laughs> so if you want to, you know, break the law, yeah, you can get it done. I live in Nevada. We don't care. So the question is, I have not solved this issue. The throttle tube made it better sometimes and worse others. In fact, it made it way better sometimes and way worse because of it's a it's a more aggressive throttle tube. Overall, I really like it because I, I get to turn my wrist less to, to achieve what I want. And it didn't take long for me to get used to it. But my ECU tune did not fix it. And I haven't had time to to, to go back and do some real extensive testing where I do very repeatable stuff, like with the marks on the throttle, so I understand it. And before I go back to the guy that guaranteed me that his tune would fix it, which it didn't, before I go back to him, I need to be able to explain exactly what it's doing because I didn't know exactly what it was doing. I have a very strong feeling about what it was doing. It's trying to be clean so when I do a big snap of the throttle, it doesn't dump a ton of fuel in there. It waits till the motor builds up and then it adds the fuel. So it, it builds it up, then it goes. And unlike a, a fly-by-wire bike like the KTM, I'm turning the throttle and it's open. And it's very careful about how much fuel it picks up until it's efficient. Even though it's a cat, I still have my cat in the bike and I still have the stock muffler. I don't want to change those. I, I might think about doing the cat, but that's going to require some extensive remapping, and I don't want the bike to get any louder. So, this is the this is the dilemma that I'm in, and instead of just kind of complaining about it, I'm going to attempt to fix it with the tuning software that I have. That he sends me the maps, and I plug them in there too. I can also make modifications. So I'm going to go in there and try to make some modifications in groups, just like I do with the Yamaha Power Tuner app on my WRs and YZs and stuff, just like when I have um, the Wi-Fi module on a Get ECU. And I even got a question, a guy called me up and said, hey, Jimmy, what would it cost to to have you, you know, tune a map and maybe, you know, Takamoto would sell this and all this stuff. And I, I told him what it cost. And he was like, wow, that that's a lot. And I'm like, yeah, because you're, it's it's a lot of time. It's not just 
pump some numbers in there. You pump it in, test it, test, go back and forth, back and forth. And, and then every map has to be done specific to, when you start getting to this point, it has to be done specific to the package. You know, mostly the exhaust side. You know, if you have a freer flowing, more open exhaust, it does affect the way that the, the tuning works. If you've done stuff to the intake track, it does it. Every little change usually um, nece- necessitates some tuning on the on the programming side of these things, just like we used to jet motorcycles. So it's, it's that. And Mike H. Uh, asks, is it a delay from torque management in the ECU? Uh, let me get this called back up here. The delay in response in the Tenere can be a pain. I don't think it's torque management because it really, the bike, the, the engine by nature has really good traction control. I certainly hope that it that it's not predicting the torque and trying to fix it from that. I hope it's an emissions thing because then we can fuel it and get around that to a certain, certain extent. Um, uh, quarter turn FTW, what's that? FTW. Good Lord mercy, how many bikes do you have? That's a sensitive question. You want to know how much I weigh? How old I am? Go for it. <laughs> and Jason Abbott sends Jason. You know my you know my email. Send 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 them to me, and I'll put them in the queue. And uh, we'll see. It's oh, wait, I say a thousand bucks, and all of a sudden now we're going to get submissions for uh, Rooster. And it's going to have to be like three or four more shows before we get there. So Steve C says, right now, instant question and answer. So I bought a newer KLX two thirty RS to do some off road training on. I feel like I'm over the handlebars a bit while standing. Will 19 millimeter risers help me any? I'm taking your class at the end of the month. Steve, don't do the bar risers until you come to the class. I it will it would help if you tell me how tall you are right now, but the biggest thing that people do is they just jump to bar risers. The KLX 230 is almost a full-size motorcycle. It can tend to be a little cramped. I think the bar bend is probably worse than the than the uh the height of the handlebars but for most people when they start wanting bar risers they are not really they're not balanced on their motorcycle they're not standing up properly and you you'd be amazed at how adjustable your body is whether you're it's your shoulders whether it's your hips uh you know it's your ankles but there there is a need for bar risers at different times but people generally go to bar risers and then the bars come up and they start leaning back. They can't get as far forward. Oh, uh, at five eight, no, don't don't touch them. Uh, the bar bend may be swept back a little bit, but generally that's it's not too bad. I don't. I've ridden that bike. I don't remember them being atrocious, but because uh, generally the bikes that are designed for beginner riders tend to they the riders sit down more, so the handlebars have more sweep to them, so they they come back towards you a little bit. And sometimes when you go to stand up, you're you're more over the top. And with those bars turned in, it it kind of causes your elbows to to come in and it brings your shoulders back. Just think about it. If I'm just sitting here right now and I'm turning my arms to more we'll call flat, which would be zero degrees, and then I rotate them back to like 18 degrees, which is like a BMW handlebar, I think maybe 18 to 23. You know, but that's gonna be somewhere in probably the 15 degree range, I'm guessing. So yeah, don't don't uh, rush to bar risers. It's it the 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 thing is is that people always check their their handlebar height while they're stationary, and you're not riding stationary. 
when you're when you're riding, you should be leaning forward. And when you start leaning forward, the handlebars start feeling like they're in your lap. Well, guess what? That's where they're going to go. And at that point, you don't need to be doing what you think you need to be doing with the handlebars. It's not a push-up or a pull-up bar. You do not steer the motorcycle with your handlebars. Just uh, wait till they come to the class. We'll save you a lot of money. <laughs> and... And we have discounts from a lot. Of, you're you're going to get, if you're in the class and you signed up, you probably got a partner promotion sheet and there is a discount to get handlebars and there would be nothing wrong with getting a nice set of fast company flex handlebars on that sucker. Oh, but it's, it's you have the small diameter. You're going to need the adapter, which will actually raise it. Yeah, wait till they come to the class. Uh, but if you've heard me mention any of our sponsors on this show and you're interested in some of their products, let me know what you're interested in. Send me an email. It's not hard to figure out my email. If you can't figure out my email, you can't get a discount. That's that's how we work around here. Uh, we have some really good discounts from some of our sponsors. Sometimes they make special deals uh, for us on the show. Uh, they do like what we do, and they like our clients as well. So... Where was I? Oh, hold on a second. I'm going to do a quick little, um, a quick little sip here. Watch the, uh, watch the w I got to turn That raised it up. Here. I think so. Oh, caught me. Hmm. Okay, uh, I'll do the longer Dune segment <laughs> when I uh, when I need to take a little bit longer break. But anyways, good good questions coming in tonight. Uh, so Steve C, I'm I'm work I'm still working on it. I just I can't ride seventy bikes at the same time, and uh, I uh, yeah I if that one that's a that's a probably a good solid day of programming riding programming riding getting to a getting in a getting a couple really good maps and then going out and really testing those maps so and his last question is have you ridden the haunted trance alp uh i rode one about 15 years ago <laughs> i'm thinking if i can't fix the tenere to work for me this might be the ticket i think you're going to get more of the same i think that the that the trance alp is going to be a very soft uh Tenere. It's going to be way more designed for on-road and very, very light adventure adventure riding. I'm I'm kind of guessing. I'm I'm going to guess it's going to be one step up from a, a Suzuki V-Strom 650 and one step down from the the Tenere. Trust me, we'll figure out the we'll figure out the Tenere uh, with the with the EC and the mapping, but. You know, you could try something as simple as putting a slip-on exhaust on it, and that might help because a couple people have told me that that works. But it really depends on where you're, you know, finding this kind of glitchy on-off thing. And then there's always stuff like gearing. You know, you could change the you could change the gearing a little bit uh, that might might help. But I know what you're talking about, and and I I find it as a bog, not that kind of snappy on-off. I find it as a as a delay and then a hit because I turn the throttle and I don't get exactly what I want for a little bit and then it comes on. So what my thing has been, I've just been getting on the gas earlier when I decide I want to get on the gas, kind of compensating for this, but I don't want to. I want it to run one-to-one -one like like my dirt bikes do. And uh, 
that's it. So now somebody wants tacos. <laughs> Roy Evanator. I want tacos too, actually. I got tequila though. Uh, tonight's tequila, by the way, is uh, Milagro. This was the stuff that George was supposed to overserve me on the last show, and he didn't do a very good job. See, we have some left. So I have a little bit in my cup. Of course, uh, Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. We're not going riding after the show, so we're having a good time just hanging out, chatting dirt bikes with you. Again, questions, throw them in the chat. If you're listening to this on a podcast format and you want to comment on the shows, find our YouTube channel. Just go to our YouTube channel, one of the videos, comment on it. Go to Facebook, find us on Dirt Bike Test, ask the question there. Of course, we're on EXC Performance. Uh, there's a couple of the KTM groups that we're broadcasting live to. If you want training questions, like we're on one of the Guys Over 50 Moto Training uh, YouTube pages. I'm an expert at being, well, I'm getting way and way more out of shape, but I know how to get yourself in shape if you have that too. Although it's called the Jimbo program, and it's not really for most people. Uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot more stable people out there like Ryan Hughes that can probably train you to do what you want to. Uh, I need to get GoPro as a sponsor, John. Uh, I, I need one of the 360 cameras, in all honesty, I think. Actually, GoPro makes one. Actually, I was kind of sponsored by – the, the GoPro that I have was a sponsored item through a pro snowboarder. Uh, my buddy Marco's kid is a pro snowboarder and the GoPros just fall out of the sky over there. And he talked to his guy and he said, yeah, you can give it to that, that doofus. So I didn't pay for my GoPro. So I guess I'm kind of, kind of sponsored. <laughs> and Tony Rath gave me a thumbs up. You know what else you can do? I think we, I think we have a thing. Like you don't want me to go on OnlyFans like I've been threatening. So we have a thing where I think you can, if you really like the show, you can donate and we get a little bit of that. I don't even know how that works. I know it somehow comes on the check that comes from all the commercials that we run in front of, uh, in front of, in front of this podcast. If you're not watching it live, I think if you watch it live, you don't get commercials, but you get commercials if you are watching it at a later time. And we uh, enjoy a little a little cut of that uh, here and there. So, okay, back to the sheet of questions that I was going to get to. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, Dimitri Zeus says, and he had to edit this a couple times, please don't listen Jimmy Lewis. I think he says listen to Jimmy Lewis. KTM sells loads of 60 and 90 bikes for a reason. Many people think they are fantastic bikes. I have two 690s. I'm feeling sorry for him right now, by the way. <laughs> I have a 2014 690, which is now Supermoto. Now I am now I realize he's mentally challenged about what kind of tires he's running on his motorcycle. And I have a 2021 690E. Uh, by the way, back to the Supermoto comment, I'm completely joking because those bikes are ridiculously fun. And that may be the best application of that bike, I think. If you're not a super high-level supermoto guy, I think that would be a really good level of that bike. Uh, by the way, according to Troy Lee, I killed supermoto in the United States I because I wouldn't put it in Dirt Rider magazine. But uh, things like that happen. So the 2019 Plus 690 is a totally different bike from the pre-2019 690 bikes. Don't listen to these guys. And he's talking about me. Go ride a 2019 Plus 690 and discover the hype. I love both my 690 bikes and will likely buy another one. 
he obviously hasn't ridden a Husaberg. Like with every bike that I own, I have significantly modified the Ergos to suit me. Thankfully, KTM doesn't listen to people like this and keeps making the 690. There is nothing like a 690, at least until Ducati releases, <laughs> releases their upcoming 650 single-cylinder version. So much for being loyal there, uh, Dimitri. <laughs> Waiting for the next greatest thing. Hey, I didn't pick it. I didn't pick it as my worst bike ever. I think I put it in the list, but it didn't make the worst bike ever for me. That bike is just, it's like an XR400. And I owned like five or six XR400s. I used to say that was the best bike in the world because you could ride it off a cliff and it would still work. But it was just a horrible motorcycle. It did everything okay and nothing well. And for that, I hated it. So uh, KTM 690 is right up there. The, I remember the very first time I rode it, I took off and I said, because it was kind of pitched to me. I actually, at the time, and I have to be honest with you, at the time, I think I was still a factory BMW rider when KTM released the 690 or very near there is in that time zone. And the way that KTM, the KTM people that were there, which by the way, were much better than the people that are now slinging information now their PR guys were like, oh, this is built off the rally bike and all this. And I'd ridden the rally bike. I knew what the rally bike was like. It was nothing like the rally bike. Did it have a great motor? Hell yeah, that, that's that's a great motor in that thing. The chassis just gets all kind of confused. It was one of the, I think I actually wrote it someplace. It was the best single cylinder, four-stroke motor as a production bike that I'd ever ridden, you know, just all around, not talking about for me personally, but for everybody, it, it blew away the XR650, which is a great bike. Of course, you know, I've, I've ridden Husaberg 650, so there's nothing compared. I don't know if I've told you this before. I mentioned it on the show that I have a little bit of a fetish uh, for the, the Husabergs. And I bought two 650s earlier this year, and I'm, I'm still like... I'm thinking about it right now, and I'm a little worried because I'm getting a rise. Um, we used to say, like, on really good trail rides, go on really good trail rides, and people go, how good was the trail ride? And go, I had to, I had to coax down a boner. Uh, go ahead and you can make that a drop. <laughs> so that's that's what riding a Husaberg 650 is like. So if you get that out of your 690, uh, good, good, good for you. Uh, I, I'm not going to argue with you, but it's not mine. So we have more questions coming in in the chat. I'll cross this question off the list. Uh, Dimitri, uh, you can, you can follow me or unfollow me or whatever you need to do. Jason Abbott says, a friend of mine is 6'4", 250 pounds and novice skill. He's looking for a dirt bike that can ride mostly on trail and occasionally at the track. I recommend the new 450 XCFW based on his size thoughts. Well, Jason, as you as you know, I'm I'm not a shill to any of my sponsors, but I'm going to have to say that the Yamaha YZ450FX would be the absolute ultimate bike for him. And I, I just did a big pause because I'm going to say, but for a tall rider, the Yamaha is probably the most cramped, so that's not the right answer. Thank you, Yamaha, for sponsoring this show. Uh, the new YZ450FX is just like the 2023 YZ, which has been receiving rave reviews. Everybody likes it. And 
I can't wait to ride it because it, either either that's going to be that bike's going to catapult into a whole new category or it's going to get way worse. But you have to ride it to see what those changes do. I I think at six four. The, the KTMs, they, they used to be roomy, but that's the one thing that's been changing kind of year over year. They've slowly kind of tightened that cockpit up a little bit. And I honestly believe out of all the 450s, the Honda and the Kawasaki now tend to have the more roomy chassis stock. Not to say that you can't easily, you know, do stuff with seats, handlebars, and foot pegs, uh, bars or bars slash triple clamps to, to make any bike fit any rider. Uh, he's always going to have to, you know, be cramped. But then again, I ride mini bikes. I ride a TTR. I ride a Yamaha TTR 125. Um, I usually, when I'm riding it, I pretend I'm like I'm riding my Husaberg 650. I just pretend it has a lot of power. But I ride that. And it's a very small motorcycle. And so I'm like a six six guy on that particular bike. And I, I've modified the, the bar position and stuff for it. So that's the, uh, that's the go-to. I... You know, it, it depends on really how much you, like I said, when, and the problem with novice riders is they get on the internet and they listen to some ding dong like me that, but it's not a ding dong like me. He just has more followers than me, but no experience. And he might be a 5'2 dude. It's usually small guys like me. We tend to like get that Napoleon complex and we like to get on the internets and tell everybody how to do it. But you can't see me in the real world and know that I was actually a pretty accomplished motorcycle rider in fact the only reason i'm telling this right now is because i got in somebody told me how to make this show better and they said jimmy you need to tell people that you uh won the baja 1000 which is true and you need to tell people you won stages in dakar rally and been on the podium which is which is true so i have some basis i know how to make a motorcycle go fast which has nothing to do with anything else other than i like talking about myself so back to the questions uh Sawyer oh no I'm gonna go to Hopper Hopper Parva Parva Roddy Parva Roddy says 790R and the 990 I have similar feel to a 500 as a bike that weighs significantly more than the ADVs are really capable and do feel better like a supersized 500 enduro bike Ooh, okay let me try to digest that 790R and the 990 I have as similar a feel to the 500. Mm, I'm going to completely disagree with you because really once you go like KTM 500 is the extreme end of displacement and small dirt bike feel. It, it, it feels just like a 450. It feels like a, you know, size wise, it's exactly the same as a 250. It's the same size as a 350. It's exactly the same size, maybe a few pounds more. But once you go to 790 and 990, you've gone to adventure platforms that are much bigger, much heavier, way more powerful. And if you feel like you can ride them the same, unless you're about 6'8 or something and just a man mountain, uh, you can't. And even if you're 6'8", it, it doesn't matter because then your weight and that thing, when something goes wrong, it's going to go wrong, right? So, yeah, it's there's all different kinds of, of, of things, and people are always looking for this unicorn bike, and trust me, it doesn't exist. Just uh, don't try to do stuff on the bike that you shouldn't be doing stuff on. And on one end of the spectrum, when you're trying to ride your adventure bike where you shouldn't, 
uh, you're not going to destroy the bike or end up in the hospital, so you'll save a lot of money, then buy an enduro bike. And you can buy a cheap one. You can buy one of my KTM RFS bikes that are for sale right now. If you're looking for a good, cheap, indestructible dirt bike, hit me up. I've got them for sale. And I have an XR650, by the way. So uh, they're... Yeah, Paul Torres is a freak of nature, Todd. You know this. Troy. <laughs> no, a Beta 300 is not a unicorn bike, Utah Desert Racer, because I tell you, I tell you, rider, you do not want to ride the Beta for more than three miles down a road. You don't want to ride any, even a counterbalanced two-stroke, which the Beta used to be. Um, you do not want to ride them for any length of time down a road at a, what we'll call a comfortable speed. You can ride them slow down the road, but the, the unicorn bikes don't exist. I'm the first guy to say that, and I've tried to build them. I mean, if you really want to do that, you start with a KTM 500. You put, you have the ability to put luggage on it. You run stiffer suspension than you should when you're adventure riding, so you can ride it faster off-road, and you have a couple of gas tanks. You just swap gas tanks because, by golly, if any other manufacturer wants to learn something from KTM, see how they attach the gas tank. I know it's only one bolt, but as long as you're not cartwheeling that damn bike, that is fine. So... Okay, I handled those last three questions really quick. So I'm back to Sawyer. Hey, Jimmy, do you have a recommendation for clicker preload literature info? New riding and new to riding and especially clickers. The 23 XCW with correct springs for my weight, getting beat up in choppy rock sections. So, Sawyer, uh, I'll tell you, the, the most of the bikes come with a tuning manual. And they're really, really good at getting you in the right zone. And KTM always had these settings like comfort, standard, and aggressive or something. And believe it or not, they were, for the most part, pretty well thought out. They, 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 they'll get you in the zone. And then they, they tell you kind of for, they, they tell you based on SAG, I think it's based on SAG. I don't know. I've seen so many different manuals and, and Honda has them. Yamaha has them because I'm familiar with these where they, they have these tuning manuals that tell you what to what to do. But the especially with the, the KTMs and the PDS, I know this very easily. And the, the rear shock spring ride height is super critical. And if you adjust your ride height, which is typically... I, I I used to run them in the ninety to a hundred millimeters of you know of sag. So when I sat on the bike, I was ninety to hundred millimeters, and then when I when I got off the bike, I wanted to have thirty five millimeters of weight of only the bike. So so I put the bike on the stand, measure it. I take the bike off the stand, bounce it up and down, measure it. It should be thirty five millimeters less than when it's on the stand, and then I hop on it. And I have a way where I center myself on the motorcycle in a very particular position because I do it the same on every bike. I don't have somebody hold me. I balance myself. And then we measure it again. And I want it to be roughly 90 to 100, maybe 105, maybe 110, depending on your preference. This is I'm, I like it high in the rear. I do like it high. So I want 100. And if if I get the 35 and then all of a sudden... I hop on it and it's 115. That spring is too soft. It will not, that bike will never, ever be proper. I can crank it up and get the 100 and, 105, 110, 
hundred that I need, but then I'm going to have zero free sag, you know, bike only sag. And so the bike's going to be topping out. It's not going to be working properly. The spring is just too soft. Vice versa, the other way, you know, you, you, you hop on the bike and you get your right regular sag and it, it tops out on the, on the uh, other end. Hope I'm explaining that correctly, but the rear shock, you start with the rear shock and then based on what you would do with the rear, you will need to make an adjustment to the front. And in my world, if I go up one stiffer or one lower on the rear, I don't need to necessarily do anything on the front. But when I start jumping steps of two on the rear, I need to match that with at least one on the front. So I, I that's the that's where to start. It's very, very simple. Start there. And and when you start talking about this this harshness. Play with your clickers. Like on the choppy rock sections, I see people, they get beat up, and the first thing they do is soften everything, and they're already too soft, and the reason it's getting choppy is because it's it's packing, and they're like, oh, I got to send through a suspension guy. Try stiffening it up. Uh, and then and then I always ask, like, okay, is your, uh, this is the, somebody says my bike's not working. This is the, the go-to. Uh, if I had a guy that was clipping out nuggets, he would clip this right now. This is the go-to to set up your suspension. What you do is you make sure you're, you've got the proper sag and the proper spring. That is number one. That's what you got to do. Then the second step is to say, what is it doing and what, what I want it to do? And then play with the clicker. Start, start working around that. But you should make sure that your tire pressure is correct. You need to make sure that your torque values are correct on the forks and the axles and the pinch bolts, because I've worked with guys trying to get their suspension set and it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And then you find out their, their front axle is pinched. They're running 17, 18 pounds of pressure on a dirt bike, or they're running, you know, 35 pounds on an adventure bike and, and air pressure. It's like, what do you, or you look at the tires they have and their tires are some brand that You've never heard of some alphabet soup of letters and the tire weighs an extra three pounds of rotational inertial mass. Uh, so there's lots of other things going to it other than just the clickers, but sag is right. Okay, good. Spring rate's right. Okay, good. Now we can start working on it. But are all the other things right? Is the suspension broken in? Some people hop on a brand new bike and they haven't put 10 hours on it and they're trying to adjust their suspension. I mean, you can start doing it about two hours, you can start playing with it, but it gets better and better. Take your suspension off after seven, 10, 15 hours and have it serviced. Don't modify it. Have it serviced. Have it, have it serviced. And then put it back on and see how it works. Because a lot of times the fork oil levels aren't proper. Uh, the oil is, gets a little contaminated. It, it, you know, it really makes a big difference. Then after you've had it serviced, then you can really start getting into it and then you can decide whether you need to have a uh you know have a modification dude uh, i'm gonna check this box here real quick tell you one thing about that little clip uh the gopro has a correction like a stabilizing and stuff in there and 
I'm actually upside down. Like it doesn't look like it, but the way I was hanging off the off the bike, I was this is what was so cool about it. I was like riding up into this bowl and I was turning in and just it it's ridiculous. If I would have stopped, I would have fell on my head. I could have fell on my head anyways, but uh just so you know. Uh WR in the Dunes, loving it, having a having a great time. Uh playing around. That's why the show wasn't on last night. So thank you everybody for joining in. Uh, love the comments tonight. Amateur riders, says Troy Hicks, don't generally understand how to test. Maybe talk about this. That's a great, uh, great question. Um, and there's some character named, he's in witness protection, so I'm not going to name him. Uh, he's responsible for them shirt, shirt I'm wearing back before he needed to be in witness protection. Uh, if you, I belong to a club. It's a good club, a bad club. No, it's a great club. Which side is my nipple on? Look at that nipple. A good club with a bad name. Uh, sponsoring some ISDE riders, by the way. Helping out a team. So amateur riders don't know. A lot of riders don't know how to test. So so how do I how do I test? One thing at a time. I try to do one thing at a time unless it's a fully known quantity for me. I kind of know what this product does, and it, it it's very consistent. It does it from thing to thing. But I like to make sure that that um, I'm doing one thing at a time, and, and I'm doing something that's focused on, you know, what, I, what I'm trying to accomplish, and... I need to be able to explain my problem to the best of my ability before I try to, to try to fix it. And, and it, it's, it's tricky because I do teach a riding school, by the way, www.jimmylewisoffroad.com. Our new dates are up on our website. Go check them out. I will guarantee you that you will come out a better rider. Uh, 100% absolute money back guarantee. If you're interested in taking a class, you want a money back guarantee, it's going to cost you 1200 bucks. It's it's expensive an exhaust system, but I guarantee you that this exhaust system that I'm pitching you is you and make you a better rider and it carries on to any bike you ride, no matter what the brand is, no matter anything, it'll make you a better rider and it goes with you for the rest of your life. And the more you practice it, the more it pays off. Unlike a pipe. Uh, so get a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, just, just one thing at a time and, and, and being very, you know, taking the time, make things repeatable. You know, a lot of times the hardest thing about like when we're testing stuff is we're at a track and the track changes and the changes of, to the track affect the way the rider feels like the track deteriorates and the rider feels like the bike deteriorates. So there's, there's things. So just, you try to do it as in much of a controlled environment as you can. And you, you're trying to be very specific about your, what you're working on. Like what are you what are you trying to fix? Uh, more power isn't necessarily the, the fix for things. Uh, you know, just better suspension. Yeah, it. You know, traction. It's everything's about balance and traction. Balance and traction. So balance is you and the rider, and the and the more balance, the more in traction you are, the more you can actually identify what's working on your motorcycle. You can actually feel it. So. Uh, now, interesting, says Sawyer, about working from shock to forks and how they play with each other. Haven't heard anyone talk about that before. I appreciate the answer. Oh, you're welcome. That's why we do this on the show. Uh, this is, um, I'm giving back a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm giving back with the help of my sponsors, 
which you are going to hear in this little quick ad break. If I can figure out what the button is that I push. Oh boy. There's, there's a button here someplace that ad break. We'll see on the The defending champion, the all new Yamaha YZ450F. What's up, Moto Buddies? Mike here from Taco Moto Co. What is the Taco Touch? It's the best service in the industry. Virtually 24-7 tech support via email or text. And it's like having a dirt bike doctor on call every day of the year, helping you fix your bike or recommend parts or setups for you. If you've ever received an order from us, you know that the Taco Touch extends to our fulfillment and our orders come with the coolest stickers that you've ever had, uh, buying parts from anybody before, and a handful of root beer barrel candies. Um, All of our Taco Moto co-branded components come with a no questions asked lifetime warranty, and we'll even extend out the warranty of other manufacturers, OEM and aftermarket parts where we can, sometimes for life. We test and tune endlessly and exhaustively and obsessively. We're trying to destroy everything that we can before you get your hands on it to look for weaknesses and to improve it or to make recommendations to the manufacturer. And if it's something that doesn't uh, meet grade, then we don't offer it on the store. Everything that we carry is something that we have personally used, tested and ridden and raced and nose meets uh, the high taco touch demanding standard. Go out and get some adventure. Oh boy, yeah, almost missed missed it. I was checking my text messages, you know, trying to stay on top of this um, top of this show. Actually, I should probably call uh, my buddy Chris here. He was he was a co-host a while back. Um, have a sip of this, but I've got more questions on the sheet here. I am going to answer those. So these are questions that are submitted on our YouTube feeds. Uh, we have uh, lots of videos up there. If you have a question, actually, you just go to dirtbiketests.com, uh, search it. It might pop up. We might have tested a product that uh, answers your question or have some information out there. 
subscribe to us on the uh, on all of the different podcast feeds. And when you're bored driving, uh, I can I, hopefully I don't put you to sleep. I might piss you off, kind of like this guy here. Uh, at I'd cinder not you says, what an awesome video and presentation to give such great info. And he's talking about we did a we had uh, one of the guys call in from a cylinder head company that did a cylinder head rebuild. He says the only issue I have was the dude that just wouldn't shut up and kept interrupting the other guy while he's presenting his info for us to learn what we had to keep from getting thrown off track without being able to concentrate on what he said. Dust meaning I'd have to watch this video two or three times over because he just wouldn't shut up and quit interrupting. Uh, that guy is me. I'm actually. I'm, I, so it worked out because I'm trying to get you to watch it two or three times because then we get more likes on the on the inner tubes and we get a higher rating. So you should comment like you just did. And then I made you comment to complain about me, which is awesome. And uh, hopefully you learned something in your two or three views of that. I try to get good hosts on here, uh, hosts, uh, uh, guests. I'm actually trying to get a good host too, meaning me, but it, you're getting what you pay for. You're going to have to listen to my bullshit. Uh, that's just the way that it, that it works. I'm trying to, uh, yeah, trying to give you what you get, get, give you what you're paying for. If you start paying more money on the, I think there's a super chat feature or super fan feature. Your thing goes to the front line. If you do that, then I'll quit interrupting my guests. Uh, I'm do the I decide not you. You decided. <laughs> so okay. Uh, Trevor had a really nice video of the brand new Yamaha 2024 YZ250F. Good on Trevor for getting out to that intro uh, on his busy schedule of of being the only bike racing at a best in desert race and and winning without any competition. Uh, it's hard to do. I'm glad they kept the wheels on the motorcycle. He got beat by a golf cart. I was driving a golf cart at the Sand Dunes too, so I, I I know how hard that would be to beat Trevor on a golf cart, but somebody did it. Uh, so on those videos, oh, wow, Trevor must have messed up. It says a tip, Sparky76, who, by the way, has no YouTube videos on his channel, uh, but he gave us a tip. He said manual focus on the subject for stationary shots. So Trevor, yeah, I I did watch this video and and uh, what you don't know is his um, the kid that was there who has no idea that of my racing background. I don't I don't probably didn't I probably should tell him too. But you know I've I have four ISD gold medals and those aren't easy to get. They're they're right over my shoulder here, and there's some there's some bibs from really famous races that I rode in, but he wasn't even born yet, so it doesn't matter. I'm still faster than him, and that's what really bothers him, and he can't figure out why, how, how an old dude like me can be faster than the kid. And then he's blurred out in the video for this reason, so he's not identified. Manual focus on the subject for stationary shots, but uh, at change 5700 says, I can't see what you're saying, but I see Bigfoot behind that building. You, you, can, you can't see what you're saying. Well... It's that they're blurred out for a reason. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to embarrass the kid that can't beat me, even though he's a evidently a pro pro rider. I was I was like that back in the day. I didn't know who the old dudes were. I had to learn. 
And uh, MXR248 says, if you guys put the hard-hitting map on the bike, it makes a huge difference. Also, it's a new motor. It takes a while for it to loosen up and be more free to give you more power. Others said the power was a little better than last year. So he's comparing. He's obviously watched all the videos. Uh, uh, Trevor did try a bunch of different maps, and he said that that did make a little bit of a difference. Uh, he also said that they ripped the track a little bit deep. He was on the show last week, so if you want to get more info on the 2023, 2024, I'm sorry, Yamaha YZ250F, tune in right after the ad break. That's, I think, when we brought him on. The others said the power was a little better than last year. You want to know why they said that? I'll tell you why they said that. Because they went to the press introduction at the Coliseum where Yamaha told them that's what it was. And Trevor didn't go there. So Trevor said what he felt, which was he was riding a 250F on a track that was ripped a little bit too deep, and he's been riding 450s lately. So what did he say? He said the bike felt a little soft on the bottom. So Trevor's biases also affected what he said. And so, uh, yeah, it, 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 when this is, this is your job when you're, when you're testing those bikes. Uh, and I don't know that the, like the maps don't really change the power. They change the delivery. And I think what he had said is that when he went to the hard hitting map, it actually hit and then it felt like it went flat where he wanted it to pull and then it kind of surged at the end. So he wasn't happy with that. And and so he's working on different maps and he shows some maps in there that you can that you can play with. And that's the cool thing about the Yamaha's. That power tuner app is amazing. And I, I promise you, even if Trevor says it felt a little soft or others said there's a little bit more, there's probably not going to be another 250F that's making power like that. So uh anyways, that's the uh that's it. And, uh, yeah, that's all on the YZ250. So we got all those questions. I talked about the guy that told me to shut up, which is good. And Paul Taylor says, hey, guys, I've got a question. I'm about 6'2". I'm riding an FE350. He's going to ask about bar risers. I know this. Looking for putting bar risers on to make the bike a bit more user-friendly and give me some confidence. Is there such a thing as too high? Yes. <laughs> I'm thinking 52 millimeter risers or is 30 going to make a difference? Thanks. Um, okay. So at 6'2", you're right in the zone where you might need risers, but a lot of times for a 6'2 guy. And so this was a question that was posed on one of the internet forum groups. I pulled it from there and there's, there's usually there's about 30 other guys just like me but they don't have a podcast. They don't have a Tech Talk Taco Tuesday that's shown on Wednesday, which, as you're well aware, is the best motorcycle technical talk on the internets right now coming out of Pahrump, Nevada from my house. 100% sure of this, even though I can only answer 9 out of 10 questions without referring to a reference manual, and 70% of the information I give you is somewhat biased based on my astonishing racing career so 52 millimeter risers that's a lot like i'm raising my bars like five millimeters to get it to get it where i want (laughs) 
you, it's going to make a difference. Yeah, it's going to make a big difference. And it's probably going to put you in a bad position by going to the bar risers at 6-2. Uh, you know, sometimes 6-2, it's better to move the foot peg slightly back or maybe down, depending on what kind of riding you're doing. Because some tall guys, you don't want the foot pegs lower either because their big toes hang down off the foot pegs and you need them up higher. Uh, you know, whether you need a tall seat, everybody is different. It doesn't matter 6-2. Do you have long legs or a long torso? Are your arms long or short? All these things factor into it. Do not put your bike on a stand and reach down for the handlebars and go, look, they're too short. It needs to be done. You need to be riding the motorcycle and trying to figure out like, where are they at? And if you're not riding the motorcycle proper, hold on, ad break. www.jimmylewisoffroad.com. I have a beginner rider series that's available for, I think, $49. It's cheap. It will tell you whether you're riding in the proper riding position. I promise you this. It may sound like beginner, but these are the same techniques that we work on with expert riders that are doing it wrong, that have learned wrong and carried it and masked this wrong riding technique for a long time. So if you're asking me this bar question, 80% chance. And then we have to factor that in with all those odds I just gave you a few minutes ago. 80% chance if you watch this video and you learn some of the techniques in it, maybe not the starting and the stopping and the clutch and stuff like that, other than you'll realize that you can't start and stop like my novice kid, Logan, who used to be a co-host in the show demonstrates because you're out of balance, but you're, you're out of balance forward and after you're not anticipating what the motorcycle is doing. That's the bigger problem than where your handlebars are. Cause you've got like three to four inches of range in your shoulders. We talked about this. You're, your, your hips bend. You can flex at the hips. Good God, don't squat at the knees, please. Your ankles bend. Your wrists bend. There's lots of things that move to make that can put the bars in the right position. You don't have to actually buy a bunch of parts to find out you're doing it all wrong. And then you come to my school and you go, you go, hey, look, those bars are throwing you off the back of the motorcycle. So uh, that's the answer, Paul Taylor. It probably was a little bit different than what everybody else told you on the internet, but um, I'm a professional. Aaron Faber says, I'm starting to feel like KTM just pulled a fast one on the USA EXCF lineups for 2024. KTM has published multiple videos stating the new lineup for the EXCF has the available map, traction controls, and quick shifter. But now the lineup has been released to the U.S. market, and that's not the case. Feeling deceived. Well, Aaron, uh, you know this show is sponsored by Yamaha, so I should just go on a big rant and blow KTM out of the water, but that's not the way that I do that. Having been in the media for a long time and used to go to these presentations and understand all this stuff, I'll tell you the two things that you're dealing with. You may have seen a worldwide or a non-US based. I don't know where you got your information from. You didn't state where it came from. You might have caught a non-US based presentation or you know or or the notes or whatever media source they may not have been in the US. But I'm going to tell you that in my tenure as being a journalist, sometimes when KTM releases this to all their distributors, which KTM USA is a distributor of KTM, and we get specific models built for the USA, just like Australia gets specific models. Europe has specific models. The different ones go different places. They have different restrictions if it's going to be a lot of 
you, you know, models that need to meet homologations at different places. Oftentimes, in the old days when it was somebody that was very knowledgeable that was involved, like in the old days, like the guys that were involved in the testing were also a little bit involved in the media and they would make sure that the information that was going out was correct. Now you have a media guy who may have just been a, a marketing guy hired out of college who maybe not even rides motorcycles, which, which frankly at KTM never would have happened in the past, but they're getting big and they're just hiring people that aren't hardcore motor. They're not X racers or hardcore. And you don't need to be that. You just need to be a smart person that pays attention to the, the facts or knows that, Hey, we can't have that kind of thing on. You're not allowed to be able to switch maps on an emissions compliant vehicle. Uh, just like, like some of the keys in the cars that have the race modes in them. There's a special race key that you, that, that will only work at racetracks. So, I don't know. I haven't dug that deep into it, but I'm giving you uh, kind of the thing. You may have got information from someplace else or the KTM media person that that did it, that that wrote the press release or put it out, wasn't aware of these things. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh crap. And I didn't really, I didn't read the the press information just like I don't re watch everybody's videos or, you know, pay that much attention to it. My specialty is where I will I will ride the thing and tell you how it works. I don't really want to even know the specs before I ride it. I want to ride it, tell you how it works, and then I'll look at the specs and see if the if what they're telling me matches what I'm feeling. Like the Yamaha intro, they said it makes more power, a little more power than last year. I'm going to let my ass on the seat and my wrist on the throttle tell me whether that's actually happening before they they tell me this. Uh, because a lot of times this is, I've been to press centers where they tell you about all these things. And I've been to some that are amazingly choreographed where they magically tell you something three times by three different people, respectable people. They hire or they bring in their, their, their factory riders and like, they'll tell you all oh, this and who you'd argue with them. I mean, are you a top level racer like this guy? And then they'll talk about this R and D guy that understands engines in and out. And he'll tell you this. Do you know more about that guy than engines, especially that engine? No. And then the the marketing guy that just makes it sound so good. And sometimes they say it in a way, especially with the new breed of journalists, that if you don't regurgitate this information, you'll never come back to this introduction. <laughs> this isn't on KTM. This is on every brand. And in fact, the one I just specifically stated was a brand that's a lot more, we'll say probably a lot more green than, than uh, some of the other ones. But it's amazing how well it worked. And even the test rider I had at this intro, just hook, line, and sinker. And I'm like, really? You felt that? I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, oh, uh, well, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, for, yeah. I'm like, are you sure? And the good thing was at that intro, we had our bike from the year previous. And I said, go ride that one and then ride it again and back and forth. And he came back and he goes, yeah, you're right. So, um, Sometimes you have to be smarter than the than the uh, marketing. So I don't think KTM tried to pull a fast one. I'm pretty sure it might have just been a little bit of mistakes, and it would be bitching if you could get that uh, button. I, I I would suspect that they can put it on the XCFW, not the EXC or EXCFW, because it's it depends on how compliant it is. And there's you probably live in California, which is unfortunate, and you're screwed. <laughs> you're, you're, just get an e-bike. Just go straight to the e-bike. Uh, speaking of that, 
e-bike. I had a question here that says, the KTM e-ride. We test a lot of these bikes so we get comments on it. Uh, Kirk Williams says, Kirk Williams 4942 says, worthless. I want to love it, but the charge does not last long enough. Uh, okay. Um, that's a, that's a, this is an electric bike comment in general. We're getting better. Hey, a lot of the, 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 uh, Starks are showing up and I've had, I've had some very respectable people that I, that I know, know a lot about motorcycles and stuff, ride them. And they are very, very impressed. So I'm still on the fence. And it's not on electric bikes. It's just on each individual bike that I ride. I'm still on the fence. When I ride it, I will let you know. But uh, the the so far, the reviews are good. And they're coming in hot, good. And it's it's outside of the, the, the influencer, um, you know, propagandized owners so far. It's starting to get outside of there, which is, which is really good. But I will tell you, when they allow the 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 well-established media that tests a lot of stuff everything ride that thing then you'll get a real true picture of it but i think for a lot of people it's just very impressive and the people i talked to that were impressed with it had not ridden very many electric bikes period so the first time i rode like an alta i was very 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 impressed and but i was also disappointed in some things but the the impression generally the impress the impressed part is what you is what you eh, you know I don't know humans we like to talk about the negative on everything so uh that's where that says Troy Warth says he loves this show thank you Troy I I appreciate that I will take that to heart next time I decide I don't want to do it because every once in a while the show goes on suicide watch I don't I go riding. I'm happy, but the show is like literally sitting around with a gun to its head. I used to have a lot of help. I don't know where they all went. Probably me. I probably pissed them off, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, Jason says that info must be from the Euro launch that KTM did recently. Have you done the EXC launch yet? We all know the US EXC models won't have a mapping switch. Well, we don't all know that. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I used to race KTMs. I was a I was a factory rider for KTM back in uh, 1990 to 1992, right before they went bankrupt. And it it might have been because of all my win bonuses, but I don't like to talk about my racing. And I was racing a 125 in the desert, which, like, you think, how the hell would you get paid to do that? Well, back in the day, you know, people like me ran KTM bankrupt by cashing in all these win bonuses. Um, I used to get, when I would get my race bikes, when they would, I would get them in crates. And it would say like 125 EXC and you'd open it up and it'd have a double walled pipe and it would have a, a, a ridiculous wide ratio transmission and a muffler that went to here. And you'd open up another one that said 125 MX and you pull it out, there'd be a 250 in there. Like you just didn't even know what you were getting. So I suspect there's still some of that at KTM and, and, uh, in, in the comments on that particular post, people were saying, oh, yeah, it was a mistake on the KTM assembly line, and they put all the map switches, which are now in back order, by the way, that then they won't be delivered for a long time, according to this post. 
they put them on the wrong bikes. So now the map switches are all over the world on the wrong bikes. And uh, if so, if I were a journalist and I were really trying to do my job and I'm not even acting like a journalist on the show, I don't even play one uh, on this podcast. I'm just a guy sitting here drinking uh, tequila. Hold on a second. Uh, so I don't really want to drink on TV. So just enjoy this clip. Yeah, not a, not being a journalist, just being a regular guy sitting around talking about dirt bikes and uh, motorcycle-related products. If I were a journalist, and where are the damn journalists that are now supposed to be going out and doing their job of researching this? Somebody should be, if that's the case, somebody, you know, if you were a good journalist, you would dispel that rumor. Or you're probably so busy having to rewrite ad copy to post on your social media channel for your sponsors because you're a shill you can't actually do your job or go riding so when you go to the intro you like don't even know what you're riding and you crash and it's getting bad people it's getting bad they just invite um all this other stuff (laughs) oh welcome to the internets my friends and i can almost say whatever i want good times uh wouldn't be possible without the help of my sponsors. Uh, double take mirrors. Uh, when I go, I'm going to tune up a little bit, get a little shave. I use a double take mirror to, you know, control the razor and stuff when I'm when I'm doing, this, especially on the back. You know, I need to don't miss any spots. But when I'm riding my adventure bikes and my dual sport bikes, and I want an unobstructed, non-vibration view of a very strong mirror that can withstand a couple bangs, bumps, twists, smacks of branches, and God forbid a crash, I go with double take. If you want a discount for that. Hit me up. I can probably help you out. Uh, great sponsor of the show. And, of course, Trail Tech, makers of the Voyager Pro. Have you used buddy tracking yet? I don't have any friends, so I barely need buddy tracking. But when I go riding and I want to know where the person that, I, that I'm trying to have keep up with me is, I use buddy tracking because I leave a trail. It's called a buddy tail on their GPS. It's all done through radio. So essentially I'm leaving a track log down so they can follow where I've gone. And let me tell you, one of these days, somebody has got to ask me about how we used to do these like unguided rides where we would actually have a leader go out and lay a track down. And uh, with, with the Voyager pro, you can actually do it in the units. You don't have to stop and use cell phones and all this crazy technology. We, we called it, um, wow, Sean Casey, Thanks, buddy. That's awesome. I really appreciate that. That's going to pay for this beer right here. And if you don't want me to buy beer, I'll buy a, a new hat, but people usually give them to me. Uh, but yeah, we used to do these really interesting rides uh, using, we were, we were hacking technology, uh, doing like, we'll call it um, track log rides, long distance. We do long distance rides, short rides, and, and uh, it all required cell phone. And now if you're going to kind of stay together, the buddy tracking uh, through radio is a pretty, pretty awesome, pretty awesome feature. So check out the uh, Voyager Pro if you're into that. So Ron is asking if there's a rooster endo. Nope, we're postponing it again. We're, we're compiling. We're going to have a really good rooster endo coming up. It's going to be, it might be our last ever rooster endo, but I keep not putting the, uh, 
not putting it up and then I just kind of throw the hundred bucks aside and it's stacking up. It's going to be a big wad of tech talk, taco moto cash. Speaking of Takamoto, great shop, uh, Las Vegas based uh, group, uh, Taco Mike. Like he says in his ad, he's your moto buddy. I met Mike because he posted something on the internets. He, he called it a white sheet, which it was a white sheet. It was like how to modify your KTM 500. And I'm like, good God, for somebody that's selling stuff, he actually put it out there straight up. And he knows that I'm not a big fan of all the ECUs and remapping and ripping you know, thing, you know, not remapping. I'm a big fan of remapping. I'm not a big fan of the stock maps and the ECUs. Not a fan of just throwing a muffler on it, ripping out the reeds and taking the emission stuff off. But he still sponsors this show because he knows I tell it like it is. And if you want to know how to modify, especially your 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 EXC, your KTM EXC, or your Husky FE, uh, your gas gas to get a little more power out. He's doing Honda. He's doing Honda CRFs now. He's a go-to guy, and they have uh, a lot of really good technical information. He on the on the website, they're constantly posting up information to let you be a more educated buyer because they're going to have the stuff that you need, whatever you need. So check out tacomoto.co. That's tacomoto.co, not com, co, and uh, tell them Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. Absolutely not affiliated. They are a partner, a sponsor of this show. Uh, but, uh, yeah, taco moto. And of course we wouldn't be here without Yamaha and people like Sean Casey that helped us out with super chat. So Sean, if you have a, if you have a motorcycle question, you're going to the front of the line, bro. I will, I will help you out. It is as stupid as it seems. Or if you want me to tell a story, I'll tell you a story about how I'm way radder than, uh, one Trevor Hunter who does a lot of the testing, on dirt bike but if trevor thinks he's rad did you see a photo this rad this is at paris so this is a yz250 this is me on that bike i used to i used to flip it a little sideways uh, photos not tilted notice that uh, the tree i'm sorry over here notice the tree tree straight is see if i tilted it'd get more straight or if i tilt it like this it'd get like inverted but that's pretty it's pretty sideways there I didn't see any photos of of that that pip squirt that rides with Trevor, the guy who's blurred out in the video. Didn't see any videos uh, or or shots of him being this rad on the new Yamaha. And I'll bet you this YZ two fifty two stroke from uh, uh, what year is it? I don't even know. Two thousand and four. It's still it's still frame. Two thousand and three. I don't know. Or is it nineties? Wait a minute. I'll look at the helmet. 91, 92. Oh, shit. This, yeah. Sorry. Uh, bad memories. A long time ago. I've hit my head a few times. So they didn't get that rad, and uh, I'll stand I'll stand by it. They're, they're not as rad as they think they are, these kids. <coughs> Trevor's okay. I'll give Trevor a pass, but the other guy might be might be getting canned pretty soon. Uh, any Danny Chandler stories? Uh, you know what? Actually, I do have a, a Danny Magoo Chandler story. So once one year, uh, we were doing the 24-hour at Glen Helen. Uh, we won it the very first year. I don't like to talk about my racing, but I raced with uh, Johnny Campbell, Dre Dirks. Uh, was it Torsten Bostrom and myself? I think that was the first year that we won the 24-hour on a Honda XR600. Think about that. Uh, we had better lights than everybody else. Plus, we were all really 
good Grand Prix riders. But uh, we we took the very first ever inaugural Glen Helen 24-hour win, which Trevor's trying to do too. He's, he's working on that. Uh, and the next year, I think Johnny somehow replaced me because I was a magazine guy and he had to ride with his factory guys and stuff like that. So I built a team of some other test riders from Dirt Rider Magazine, Dirt, no, Cycle World, I think it was working at the time, Cycle World Magazine. It was myself and uh, Todd Shakwa, and I think we got Dre was on our team, and we rode a CR250 because we thought that'd be a better bike. And I got Jeff Willow on my team, who is a who is a fast local SoCal pro at the time. You know, we'd ride nationals and arena cross and stuff. And Jeff Willow and his trainer was Danny Magoo Chandler. And, and Danny showed up at the race and Hey, talk about like a, like a guy that liked to have a good time, you know, even though he was, he was in the chair and, and, and had definitely had some, he had been having some rough times. He was, he was near the end, end of his end of life there, unfortunately, but like talk about an inspirational dude. Like when you're trying to get up at two o'clock in the morning and get on a bike for an hour and a half and pin it and Magoo was right there. And when you, when you saw how he rode, he would tell you how to ride like that. I couldn't do it, but you know, just that guy, that guy was so just animated and cool and just passionate just passionate but he was he was jeff's kind of trainer buddy and uh and he kept us going we almost won we we had some light problems that night and of course that's what usually takes you out in that race but uh yeah we we all we were all pinning that sucker <laughs> but uh that was you know and I, I'd, I'd run into him a few times at just some different little events but I, he was a, he was a hero when i was a kid uh when i was growing up just like a little kid looking at the magazines you know it was guys like him and david bailey and bob Hanna and and uh, and the fact that he raced a Mako, like I talk about Husabergs, but Mako was the thing I talk about when uh, when I was in uh, <laughs> the early days. I remember star- at Cyclops Cycle staring straight because I was standing up as tall as I could. I was staring straight at the cylinder fins, and I'm like, that thing makes power, and I need to ride one. Still haven't, but uh, I need to ride a Mako 490. So, uh, yeah, thanks for asking that story. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty cool. So let's see. Troy Shaw says, uh, this is, this is, this is another one we pulled off the internets and then we're getting to the end of the question. So if you've got a question, you might want to get it up in the chat so we can get to it. I saw somebody ask me if I had a KTM 350, uh, a little ways back on the, on the chats and yeah, I do. I don't recall what the question was, but I saw, I, I have, let's see, how many KTM 350s do I have? I have, I have my original one, which is actually my wife's bike. Well, they're all kind of my wife's bikes. Uh, and, and then I have, I have a newer one. I think I have a 19 is my newest one, but, uh, yeah, I do have some, uh, I do have some KTM 350s and I do ride them fairly often when I kind of want, it's kind of funny because like I have 500s, 350s, and then 300 and it's they're they're all really good at a certain thing so i really pick and choose the weapon just like you know when i decide to go riding uh well now i'm riding wr 450 and and then i'm also riding a wr 250 which i've been riding a lot lately 
and because just um, we're building maps for it. By the way, we made me and my wife Heather, we made such a good mellow map to take the hit out of it. Of, and 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 so she kind of helped me just get the baseline, and then I kind of tuned it a little bit, and we got that really good. And now I wanted to try that back because I think we can we can uh, have a good map. But I've been riding WR two fifty WR four fifty. And so, yeah, there's bikes. And Ron says, if you could only have two bikes, what would they be? Currently, one always has to be the KTM 500, I think, because I have it's so versatile. I'm able to do so much stuff. And then Tenere 7, T7. Those two bikes would be the two bikes. Right now, although, man, I, I miss having a small, like, you know, maybe maybe I would go KTM three hundred and Tenere. Don't I don't know. <laughs> I need a duels. I need license plates. A lot of places I want to go ride, and that's that's really tricky. And that's why the three hundred kind of falls out. And so, but out here in Nevada, I don't need license plates. But it's just you know being able to ride a lot of different places and stuff, and and uh, have just a bike that's capable of a lot of different things, but no man should be limited to two motorcycles. And that's why uh, my wife has a lot of motorcycles because I just borrow hers all the time. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Buddy has a 15 500 EXC that has been flaming out at high speeds, high RPMs flaming out. Okay. Whatever that is. So it means it stops running <laughs> I, 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 a friend of mine taught me not to be so enamored with the words flaming out because, uh, that's like a backfire essentially, but I guarantee you it's not backfiring at higher RPMs. Okay. If he hits the limiter, whoa, okay. 500 EXC hitting the rev limiter. I'm not sure why he's doing that. It will just flame out and die. So right now, this is my thought process. Right now I'm going what did he do to modify it? Like, what did he, what, what so that's where the problem is going to arise, but I'll keep going. It starts back up usually with no problem, but occasionally it will need to sit for a few minutes before it will restart. Well, that's understandable because if something's going on up there at high RPM, that cylinder, that whole intake track, everything is confused as far as what the sensors are picking up. Yeah, it's going to be confused. But uh, if it starts right back up, then it's probably a fuel delivery problem of some sort. He's changed all the normal bits, fuel filter, pump, injectors. Now just looking for any other random thought as to what it could be. Well, if he changed all those things, has he ridden it? <laughs> it he's got some of the stuff. So fuel filter and pump, because that's what I said. I said before I even got to that section, it's like fuel delivery. It's it, it, it's running at high RPMs and all of a sudden it, it starts getting lean and then it just can't perform. It's not, it's not filling up the cylinder with what it needs to and it does something bad and it stops running. And then there's a, there's a big hot mess of lean, hot air in there that's telling the sensor something's going wrong. Who knows what else? So if that fix it, then you fixed it. What else, you know, what else could it be? But I would say start looking backwards and go, does it have a modified ECU? Does, has, he, has he modified the exhaust uh, you know, to make it leaner? Different, different things, like, things like this. Uh, and the first thing I always check was, what was the last thing you worked on? What was the last thing you modified? 
So that's uh, that's the that's the usually the cause of, of of what it is. And if something just starts happening, the bike's working perfect, and something just starts happening. Okay, how long has the bike been sitting? How is the gas? You know. Uh, you know, then then we start. How old is the bike? Because then we start talking about age. Could it be getting worn out? You know, could the rings be going bad? The cylinder be wearing out? The intake valves, exhaust valves, valves out of spec. If it's a two-stroke, are the reed valves proper? You know, there's so many different little things. And if you don't know, if you're kind of new to this, uh, but we're talking about a night a 2015. The thing's almost 10 years old. So. It could easily be some a crack in the fuel filter that's it's doing it. The fuel pump's wearing out. It's not building the pressure. Those are the obvious ones. There's a uh, Taco Moto sells a really awesome click-in-line fuel pressure checker. Uh, I think if you have friends with uh, with fuel-injected bikes, the same brands and stuff, like it's a great thing to get and have kind of in your thing. Everybody puts in 10 bucks. You got one. Then you need it when there's a problem. So... Uh, I'm going to click on this last couple sets of questions. And uh, while I'm answering these questions, I'm just going to leave you with, uh, so you can just watch me ride in the sand dunes here, just in case you, you know, if, if you're watching this video right now, I'm out riding around in uh, some really nice sand dunes, uh, pretending like I'm a rally guy, although I have no navigation on my bike. I'm just... Uh, Pointing and shooting is what we like to what we like to call it. And I had the whole place to myself. I rented it out uh, myself, and I had it groomed. By the way, so so epic. So the questions here: uh, the best bikes were a KTM 300 XC and an 890 Adventure R is a fun combo. It <laughs> says Jason Abbott. I tend to agree with that. That's nothing wrong with those two either, although. I would switch. Both of those bikes are not on my not on my favorite lists for some some reason, and not because Yamaha sponsors the show. And I do really honestly like the Tenere better, and I like the XCW better than the XC. So check that out. Uh, what is the purpose of static sag when a rider is rider sag is primarily used for making the adjustments? Uh, so Finn. The, there, there's a correlation between the two. And if, if you have to overcompensate, uh, you know, tighten the spring bound too tight and then it tops out, it means the springs, you know, you're, you're effectively maxing out the spring. And so there, there's a correlation and it's very, very critical on PDS bikes, on non-linkage bikes. But it is still critical on a, on, a, on a linkage bike as well. Not as critical in my experience, but there is a correlation between the two. Because if you set static, static sag and you get on it and it's too tight or too, you know, it's too, it sags too much or too little, wrong spring. It's just plain and simple. It's the easy way to, easy way to tell it. Um, and Ron has the 300 and the 500, but looking hard at the T7. I think you should look that direction. That's a that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a it's a great bike. But in all honesty, if you have the opportunity to be able to ride a T7 and ride a KTM 890, 790, 890, please do it because the Tenere is a different flavor than the KTM. And I I for me personally, I do like the Tenere better. I I like the fact that it feels like the bike has, gets more traction. It's very simple, less traction controls electronics built in 
I like the comfort of the Tenere as opposed to the kind of the stiff, more rigid nature of the of the KTM. And uh, I I kind of just everything about the Tenere is more simple and and kind of easier to uh, understand and dial. So, and it's twenty nine hundred dollars less according to Ron Hart. <laughs> so, and systematic by design says. Out of all the attempts I've made to set my damn suspension, I fell every time. I cannot set that thing up for the life of me by the owner, Beta 500 RSS. RS. You know, I haven't ridden a new one, uh, a recent one, but they were always decent. I, I Even on the on what people would say was the not the best suspension, the Saks uh, suspension, I had no problem getting those things to work fine. So I, I don't, like I said, and I, and, and I never really got my hands on a beta manual, so I can't tell you if they have a good thing. But if you look at any manual and just read the steps that you go through for, quote, setting it up, um, that's, uh, that's kind of uh, how, to, how to do it. Um, and, and if you... You know, think about it in steps. When you're talking about your suspension, like what is the problem? Like what you, if it's set up? Like what is the what's wrong with the setup? Is the bike too much weight on the front? Too much weight in the rear? Even though you have the recommended sag, adjust the sag to to fix that. And and same thing is the fork harsh. Half the time when forks are harsh, I go, did you bleed the air out of it? And they're like, no. And so there's little things like that that will uh, that will uh, make a make a big make a big difference. So. Yeah, hope you enjoyed me doing what I was doing while I wasn't doing the show yesterday, although that was the middle of the day. I, I did really try to get back. I tried to make it back for this show, but, uh, of course, fun got in the way of uh, work, which happens. So, And uh, Systematic by Design says he's retarded. <laughs> no, retarded is what you do to your ignition when you want less throttle response, bro. <laughs> so, ah, uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, and we're talking about uh, XR150Ls. I didn't, I haven't ridden one, so I don't know much about it. They were supposed to do something with us, but I think I'm supposed to give back the 250F, the, the CRF250 family that I have. Ugh, too much, too many things going on here. But anyways, hey, thanks everybody for joining in. Thanks for enjoying the show. Let me list off my sponsors one more time. Of course, we're talking about Taco Moto, which we did not do Rooster Endo. We're coming down to the final run of that. Submit your bikes. Yamaha, Scott Sports, maker of the awesome goggles, like the one that was sitting here on the... It kept George's old microphone thing. Check out that uh, awesome amplified lens. Of course, transition lenses are going to be the thing now um, with the weather changing a little bit. We don't need that much. We, get, we start riding into the night. You need to have a transitions lens. Uh, climb. Dude, they're women's XC light gear. Uh, Heather is loving her new women's XC light gear. She made me get some for her, and she was looking sweet. I'm going to shoot some. I got some videos and some pictures of her riding that's going to go on our WR250 impression that's going up on the site soon. DDC, the original sponsor of Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. That's Delaney Drive Components. If you're looking for sprockets and change, there is no other place to go. Of course, Trail Tech, Fast Company, Bulletproof Designs, Double Take Mirrors. Help us out by shopping through our Amazon and Rocky Mountain MC links. And if you want to have nightmares, 
If you want to find out what goes through the mind of our good friend, Jerry Bernardo, we have a book. It's called Coffee Brewed with a Graveyard Mist. There's very little motorcycle stuff in this, <laughs> but Jerry's a good friend, and I like to promote his book. So you can get that on Amazon. It's very easy. Of course, check us out on JimmyLewisOffRoad.com. If you want to uh, get a guarantee on a, a riding lesson, let me know. Oh, and hey, we've been testing that Countershock. So the guys from Countershocks were listening to the show. I actually talked to them at the AIM Expo last year, and then they found me on the uh, on the podcast here. It's exactly what I thought it was, and it's good. So the Countershock, which is a inertial damper that you bolt to your forks. We put it on the WR250, and it did exactly what I thought it was going to do. It's good, and I'm going to do some more testing on it. Um, so to give you a thing, but you know, that comes in due time. So, uh, same thing. We've got, uh, all of the modifications on our WR 250 F we'll call it stage 1.5. I'm going to shoot a video of that. You get to watch me ride through the sands dunes some more and fast across the desert. And of course, some uh, awesome tour tech suspension stuff coming up on the Tenere 700. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to be playing around with maps a little bit too. So Gregory, there is lots of info on this one. Cause I didn't have anybody to interrupt me. So... <laughs> Dennis from Alaska says uh, ride safe uh, we always try to do that and uh, Gregory says the world needs Jerry Bernardo back on some SX shows <laughs> probably not uh, oh with Bubba yeah uh, I think he could wake some demons up in Bubba and, and like I said when I was a journalist I really enjoyed uh, working with James Stewart, you know, when we do these little things that we did with him, because the minute he figured out that we wanted him to be himself and to be cool and because he was, he was, we just let him be him and we didn't ask him the stupid questions. We just needed him to stand next to his bike and stuff like that. I really liked working with that guy. And, and I was always amazed by his, his riding was, like I said, when they say, if it's, if it, is it stewable? that that's a thing and and just crazy so everybody uh like reward us um push on the click buttons follow us on chatagram insta twit book x things we got 100 messages we are well on our way to 20 let's tell your friends to check us out on the youtubes we're getting up there on subscribers and i think there's some other level that we'll go to if we Maybe we'll get an influencer badge. I can be a YouTuber. Yeah, I'm going to be a YouTuber. And with that, I'm going to sign off and say, see you out on the trail. Cheers. <laughs>